Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Failure is inevitable, but what did Burt Mandelbaum do after he applied to seven medical schools and received rejections from all of them? I know this, thousands of athletes are thankful that he didn't give up on becoming a doctor. Find out why. Burt Mandelbaum was at a career crossroad with two appealing paths. One is a coach, another is a doctor. How impactful would he have been as a coach? One can only guess, but what is indisputable is that Dr. Burt Mandelbaum has had a profound impact as a top orthopedic surgeon who's held leadership roles with organizations such as FIFA and the USOC. In part two, you're gonna hear Dr. Mandelbaum share about the importance of relationships, the massive problem he played a key part in helping to address and solve, and what inspired him to write his book, The Win Within, Capturing Your Victorious Spirit. What are we waiting for? Let's get right to it. Well, your path was pretty amazing. Washington University in St. Louis, Johns Hopkins, UCLA. I mean, you worked at some of the top places. And then how did you sort of make that transition after to start to get affiliated with some of these massive organizations that you worked with throughout your career? Again, I talked about relationships Hmm. and inspirational relationships that that I had. You know, after I I finished college, I, I was an athlete in college, played lacrosse, member of a national championship team. And when I graduated college, I had applied to medical school late. And I'm one of the few people who was first rejected by seven medical schools in my senior year to when I applied again a year later, I was accepted at all seven schools. So again, adversity is the engine of unimagined opportunities. And how did it happen? It happened because I found myself with an amazing group of people, coaches and colleagues and collaborators helping me, inspiring me, motivating me, educating me, training me, all of which I think makes people successful at what they do in their own path, in their own journey. What was a big break for you then to be able to really help your career take off? Well, I think for me, it it came down to a Again, I was a a kid who could play lacrosse, and I was a pretty good student in college, not a great one, and because I was too focused on being an athlete. And so I spent two years at Johns Hopkins as a lacrosse coach. And at that time, I was exposed to Bob Scott. He was a very winning lacrosse coach of Johns Hopkins. He was the athletic director at the time. Henry Ciccaroni was the coach and all the coaches. I found myself in an opportunity where I became the head coach for the B team at Johns Hopkins. And it was an amazing experience. Again, another transformative experience and a lot of things going on. And I didn't know whether I wanted to be a coach or a physician. In my second year there, I was being recruited to be a head coach at several universities, one of which was Princeton. And I sat with Coach Scott, the athletic director at the time. And I said, coach, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether it's coaching or medicine that really drive me. I I still know. You got to help me. And he said, you know, Bert, you go to medical school and in a year I'll call you up. And if you want a coaching job, we'll find one for you. A year later, he called me and he says, Dr. Mandelbaum, 
how are you enjoying medical school? He says, do you want to be a lacrosse coach? I've got a good position for you. I'm okay, coach. I'm okay. And that was an amazing moment for me. Another transformative moment because then going on to medical school and residency, it prepared me. It, it made me look at what, what my mission was, what, I, what my constitution was, what my vision for my future will be, and what my strategic plan was set out to do. And, and from that, I, I really developed what we call an MVP strategy, mission, vision, plan. If you know what your mission is and you have a good vision about what your mission is and putting together with your purpose comes up with a plan, and we call MVP mission, vision, plan, and you become your most valuable player. That is absolutely brilliant. What was your mission, vision, and plan? Can you share a little bit, maybe a a synopsis of that? My mission was to be the best sports doctor that I could be, focusing on innovation, focusing on clinical care, on education, and taking care of athletes at all levels. And that was and is my mission to this day, professionally. And you've done that in so many ways. I mean, frankly, that's how you and I got connected was just because of your innovation and because of your ability to help solve some major issues, right? I think we first got connected because there was a massive issue with major knee injuries at, I believe it was the University of North Carolina, right? And you went in and helped to sort of implement some things that within one year dramatically reduced the number of knee injuries, I believe by over 60%. And so can you just share with the audience, like what was the challenge and what did you sort of do to sort of implement the change that really made such a big impact on that program? Well, in the nineties, things were changing. We all know what Title IX was and the equality of male and female athletes throughout the country. And everybody looks at it in terms of the equality of numbers. But as a sports physician, what we were observing was there were increasing numbers of young girls and women between 14 and 18 who were hurting their knees, tearing their anterior cruciate ligaments, their ACLs in big numbers. At one point in my practice in the 90s, where it was 80% men and 20% women and girls, it flipped and it was 2080, the other way around. So this explosion, especially here in Southern California, of these young girls and women tearing their ACLs. How was it happening? Why was it happening? And what could we do about it? So in 1999, we got together a group of 21 of us in Hunt Valley, Maryland, and we looked at 50 videos and we developed theories in terms of how this injury was occurring. It was occurring because these girls and women were were landing and jumping and the leg was turning in, tearing their ACL. We call this dynamic valgus, which is neuromuscular control deficiencies. And so we said, well, that's all fine and good. Now we understand exactly what's happening from these 50 videos and basketball and soccer, a variety of sports. And we need to develop a prevention program. How are we going to prevent this? Now we understand exactly what's happening. So again, as an athlete, as a coach, And now as an orthopedic surgeon, we put our hats together. And with my team here in Santa Monica, we developed a program that is and was called the PEP program. Very simply, prevent injury, enhance performance that any athlete can do. 15 or 20 minutes is a warm-up on a court 
on a field, do the things that they need to do to prevent injury. And we looked at this. In the first year, we, we used this program in Southern California. We found an 88% reduction. The second year was a 74% reduction. The CDC got wind of it and they said, well, that's all fine and good, but how about we do a randomized controlled trial and we'll run it for you. I said, okay. And we did. And guess what? We found a 72% reduction in ACL injuries in a cohort of 61 different teams, randomized controlled trial in the female soccer uh, population of, again, 61 different universities. And then we, we continued our work and we did another randomized controlled trial in another 61 universities, now focusing on the male athletes. And we found about the same number. It was 76% reduction in ACL injuries. So by that point, we realized that we truly figured out that we could make a difference. We could prevent injury. We can decrease the burden of ACL injuries. Even took it to the NFL, where we found a high number of these NFL non-contact injuries we're just like the young girls from Southern California, the same injury mechanism. We haven't quite figured out how to get them to prevent them all, but we're still working on that. And of course, through that brilliant work, you started to become the physician with the U.S. soccer men's national team. What has that experience been like? Well, I always say as we cross the river, the only constant is change. One stone leads to the next one. Now, my job at UCLA, uh, I worked with Ziggy Schmidt, rest in peace, uh, was the coach of UCLA and, and ultimately worked with me on the national team. He encouraged me to get involved with the national team. And I got the position for the 1994 World Cup. Basically been there ever since in one form or another. And it's been a great ride. Challenging, disturbing, exciting. Uh, it's been an amazing ride and a journey, just like life, where the sport of life intersects the life of sport. Now, you've accomplished so much, but you've also written a book. Tell me what inspired you to write The Win Within. Well, and we've talked about a number of very important win within principles because, you know, my life, all of our lives, we're confronted with adversity and how we deal with that adversity. You don't get out of any day, any week with some adverse moment, some person who is in your face, some issue that comes where you get hit in the back of your car by another car, where something you, you get a turn COVID positive, where you, you lose a close one to death. All of us are confronted with this. This is human life. This is our journey. It's not, there's no destination that my goal and my object through writing The Win Within was really to empower each of us to discover that the win is within, that we just have to look for it, access it, integrate it, and then reevaluate it, and we'll be successful in our journeys. I know that you're also a father. What was something that you tried to instill in your children as it relates to their sports journey? Well, I have three children and now a grandson as of Sunday. So we perpetuate the next phases here and the next generation. My three kids were, were brought up with uh, what we call the Mandelbaum Manifesto. There's 20 of those of basic maxims of how to listen, how to not yell in a car, how to treat people successful, that everything you say and do in life matters, that uh, this was a very important part. It actually exists in the win within our, our Mandelbaum Manifesto. But our three kids, you know, grew up trying to treat them in a humble, 
motivating and inspirational way, teaching them the importance of athletics. Each of them were athletes in, in different ways and, and learned a tremendous number of lessons uh, coming through the life of sport. Uh, so I'm a tremendous believer in raising kids in sport. And why is that? It's because we are athletes. We were really meant to be athletes. We have evolved in a Darwinian way. It's our genetic legacy to be an athlete. 100,000 years ago, when we became Homo sapiens, we were hunter-gatherers. Before that, when we were Homo erectus, we were prey. So it is this transformative experience that humanity had between Homo erectus to Homo sapiens when we did become hunter-gatherers. Our bodies became athletic. Our brains became bigger. Our muscles became thicker and more agile. At that point, we became the survivors of the fittest. That today is what we are. We are still athletes. And once we discover that, once you teach someone, whether it be someone from Special Olympics or some person who has disabilities or a spinal cord injury, when they enjoy sport and physical activity, they become a different person. The endorphins, the neurotransmitters transcend them into a higher level of humanity unto themselves. So that was one of the observations we made is that, in fact, that we're all athletes. We just have to discover it and how to implement that in each of our lives. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any comments or questions, visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page where you can even leave me a voice recording. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.